Yeah, I'm a little nervous on how much I have to say about Eraserhead, but I'm going <laughs> to yeah. really do my best. Honestly, uh, yeah, same. Yeah. <laughs> it's a shorter movie it. than I remember. Yeah. But yeah, hello and welcome to the Cinnabums, uh, the podcast about chilling, doing nothing, and watching, I was about to say your own movies, but just movies, not your own movies. Yeah. Uh, maybe movies you own, Anyone's. but also movies that everyone owns, such as on Netflix, Hulu, Amazon Prime. Do you mean like <laughs> Anchor, Amazon, <laughs> Netflix, one of those? Spotify. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, one of those. Yeah, I hope you, we, we, John and I hope you enjoyed our top 25 um, episodes and our worst of the year episodes. Because uh, uh, we just got off doing that and we're, we were, we were exhausted um, yeah. afterwards, for sure. Too many 2022 um, movies. Let's get yeah. tired of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And my, I myself have been doing things recently, such as like I've been watching continued uh, things on 2022. Not like the movies themselves, but like uh, like interviews and uh, supplements, like things like that. Like for instance, last episode we were talking about the whale. So I was listening to a Brendan Fraser interview on WTF, and of course, like we were saying, it's very serious and yeah. <laughs> a weird a weird vibe and i kind of uh think i will end up agreeing with jake's probably opinion on the film whenever i end up getting to it in ways where he said that a lot of the emotion is maybe a little disingenuous and has a lot of just scenes that are a little corny and played off as uh tragedy when they are even more comedic and stuff like that it just totally yeah. seems like it might be a little off but anyways on this interview with brendan fraser like like mark Marin, who is uh, actually an emotional guy at times uh he just starts bawling in the middle of the interview you know what i mean and i could yeah. tell the ed- the editor you know like you, you hear mark just start to weep uh after he's like i'm just thinking about it you know he's like thinking about the whale right he's like i just i'm just i can't stop thinking about it and then like he starts weeping and then they you know his editor just cuts it right there and then they're you know they're back in another conversation <laughs> that, like that's the, the vibe of this interview it was like it was really heavy yeah because it's brendan fraser and the whale and he's just bringing around this heavy kind of vibe yeah i don't know if he was that like subdued because of the movie itself maybe you mentioned that uh or if that's just kind of how he is now yeah. i guess i i don't really know how he was publicly before this uh back when he was like a huge star but yeah it was so t- like toned down and quiet and mm-hmm. yeah the way he talks emotional. like he talks kind of like like this when i'm yeah. talking about the whale you know? it, was, yeah, it was a very important movie. It was great. Yeah, yeah I really enjoyed yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like he sounds like he's coming hear. from yeah. an, um, an emotional, like, he's come down from a tremendous emotional high or something like that. And he's just yeah worn out or something. Yeah, that's one of the things I watched. I watched another thing that was cool. It was like Hollywood Reporter Roundtable of all, like, the screenwriters. So to name a few that were there, um, like Jordan Peele was there. Martin McDonough, uh, Ryan Johnson, uh, Tony Tony Kushner. Yeah, Tony yeah, Kushner. Yes, uh, the co-writer, the co-writer of the Fablemans. He's yeah. uh, uh, Spielberg's uh, kind of now longtime uh, co-writer. Like they wrote, uh, um, they wrote West Side Story together. They wrote um, Lincoln together, which apparently I heard uh, 
Lincoln's script, apparently like, the first draft of Lincoln was like 500, 600 pages. I heard the other day, <laughs> which is pretty crazy to think about. Uh, Cause Spielberg was talking about how he would have done it in an episodic type of form, mm, you know, cause it could have, cause it could have been that long. Uh, uh, Daniel Kwan of everything, everywhere, all at once. Um, so it's a good group. There's a good group. A lot of interesting things were said and everyone's just kind of complimenting each other's work and shit. And, uh, and Daniel Kwan is kind of funny and interesting, uh, especially with his like background and especially with writing the film he did, he, he you could tell he just has a lot of anxiety, uh, which I was like, <laughs> all right, nice. You know, relatable guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah he, he definitely had a lot of existential anxiety, <laughs> which makes sense if you write everything everywhere all at once. Uh, and at the end of the thing, everyone goes around and they talk about like, who's their favorite living screenwriter. And uh, I'm as a biased, as someone who's biased, I really appreciate this answer. Pretty much almost everyone said Paul Thomas Anderson. <laughs> And I was like, fantastic. Wow, <laughs> yeah, like yeah. everyone, like McDon Martin McDonough, then like, you know, Daniel Kwan, the Jordan Peele, all were like Paul Thomas Anderson. That's so funny. Wow. Nice. Yeah, I always like watching those. I haven't seen any from this year, but I always like watching those round table uh discussions yeah. from Hollywood yeah. Reporter. Those are cool. The uh movie for today is a racer head, um, which is kind of um kind of a big turn uh from what we've been doing uh recently and uh it's just one of those um times where john and i decided to be random and pull one that we haven't talked about um pull something that's different and unique this is definitely racer head yeah. is definitely different and unique and uh i'm looking forward to talking about it yeah me too yeah i'd actually been um i had finally started to about it, over a year ago i started uh, Twin Peaks The Return and I got part way through and then was moving and then totally like fell off my plate and then uh, I've just now been getting back into it starting from the beginning and uh, oh yeah so yeah I've been in a, like, a lynch flow mood. of it you know <laughs> yeah I didn't remember yeah. hardly anything that happened uh, and when I first started watching uh, over a year <laughs> it's ago. One so it's one yeah. of those it's one of those yeah ends up being a big big haze of a time almost yeah. Yeah. And and I, now that I'm rewatching some episodes that I've already seen, I don't remember any, any of it. So it feels like I'm watching it right. for the first time again, still. Right. Um, but yeah, yeah, I've been in like a, the, a Lynch mood, you know, okay. so I'm glad we're doing cool. this. Didn't know you didn't know. I never remembered whether you had seen the return, whether you had finished the return or started it. So now I'm up to date, yep. up to date on what's going on there. Yeah, that is the official update on on the return for me. I think I'm on like episode six or seven. Oh wow! So yeah. that means you're you're about to get somewhere, probably. Yeah. I don't know the episode chronology exactly, but I think like you're probably gonna be getting somewhere crazy soon if you haven't already. It's definitely getting scarier. I'll say that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm turning more lights on in the house when I watch. Yeah. <laughs> Man, yeah, wow, yeah, I, I'm I'm excited for you. It's uh, yeah. Obviously, it's it's so so good. So mm -hmm. like, one of the most interesting things I've ever watched. For yeah, sure. right. Yeah, that's so. I mean, that's maybe a good uh, a good segue into what we've been uh, what we've been watching lately too. Yeah. Lately. All right. Okay. I'll go from the beginning. Um, I uh, watched uh cabaret um by bob fossey starring liza minnelli um it's a 
musical about uh, the Kick. It was made in 1971. And it's about the Kick Cat Club. I don't know why that was so hard to say just now. Um, I wasn't ready for it, you know, because I didn't know what it was called. So I had to, I'm reading it. Um, the Kit Cl- Kat Club of 1931 Berlin. Um, yeah, and uh, it's just this really, really unique, stylized um, musical. Um, not one, and, and it's not really a musical as much that like where they break out a song in the middle of scenes. It's more like there's a lot of scenes of story with Liza Minnelli's character and people in the club. And then there's a lot of like kind of more like interpretive performances and songs like um in the middle that are being performed at the club and that that are supposed to kind of like do represent the characters and what's going on a little bit um and might i say that the music in cabaret is fantastic it's definitely something you could just listen to after you watch it um for the next week um and the numbers are very unique um very weird and very funny as well um the whole this whole movie is very weird but it's like a definitely a masterpiece uh and uh it's like also a little dark being that it's bob fossey uh, bob fossey one in the 70s and uh just like liza minnelli's like character in this is just very like interesting and and enduring about how like how her the way of her not being as big of a star as she really is. She's just kind of this girl at this club. And um, I mean, it goes a little deeper than that, but that's the basic, uh, the basic uh, conflict in the movie. And um, yeah, I mean, also Liza Minnelli just shines. She has like some, I mean, you've probably heard the song where she's like, sings a cabaret. Like, it's like really famous. She's like, you know, letting it out like the way she does. Probably, um, yeah. 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 Um, and yeah, it's just uh, this was it's just a good one, and I've wanted to get to it for a while. And uh, yeah, it's a must see. I'm glad I I'm glad I did. Another thing I have to admit that I'm late on is I only recently saw all that jazz. Um, okay. Within the past year, yeah, but I definitely uh, definitely made me want to see more Bob Fosse. So. Yeah, yeah, I mean that's his autobiographical one, and mm-hmm. so like that's a good one. I mean that's what I started with. I've only. This is the second Fosse, I think. I'm not like that ahead of you. So, but yeah, all that jazz is really great. And it's just about him. Yeah. So that's like a great introduction to that, to this guy. Cool. Yeah, that's uh, that's Cabaret. All right. Yeah, well, I will, uh, I'll start it off with uh, a documentary that I watched. Um, I've been wanting to watch for a while and I pretty much resubscribed to the Criterion channel just to watch it. Uh, and it's called American Movie. Is that by Vim Vim Vendors? No, no. that's the American Fiend. Oh, that's yeah, the American the, Fiend. Not, I know what. Or... The, never mind. I, I'm I mix them up. I know what this is. Yeah. Yeah, American yeah. Movies so, that indie from the 2000s or. 2010s. Yeah, the, the guy who directed it's the same one who did the Robert Downey Senior movie from last year. He did the Jim oh. and Andy documentary. Oh wow! 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 Yeah, so he's done some other like uh, filmmaking and show business i guess type uh documentaries but uh this one was super uh super interesting to me because it's um uh we you and me both have a lot of midwest connections and uh me specifically uh wisconsin connections and this is Mm -hmm. um about this 
this young filmmaker and this is in the 90s uh in small town wisconsin uh and his buddy and and (laughs) friends and family that are that are along with him and yeah it's just a an amazing fly on the wall documentary about this goofy independent filmmaker just trying his damnedest to make the movie that he is feels so strongly about and it's uh yeah it's a really like inspiring and funny movie um or documentary but uh uh the thing that's so funny about it is his (laughs) there's so many members of his family um who who have just like i don't know just the most annoying opinions about him where as a viewer you're like ah, fuck that you know fuck them like keep doing what you're doing man like keep going for right. it. like it'll show his right. brother and he's like yeah you know have you figured at one point he'd just like give it up uh you know but he still does it he's still doing it and then <laughs> and you see him he's just like so passionate about what he does that it's like yeah yeah fuck fuck that brother you know right. just keep right, doing right, it right. and uh and he has this one friend uh mike shank who <laughs> throughout like everyone in this movie is just uh such a character uh but his friend mike he like he he, uh puts a blindfold on and plays guitar and he plays like all these metal riffs and it's so great and he's just like the like the perfect friend like he he just is there to help out mark the director any way he can he's just he's just there he's like the most laid-back easygoing guy ever you would not you would not believe that this is like a real person but uh um there's even there's just a lot of like subtly great scenes with this guy too um but anyway i mean the whole the whole thing is just about to show this like independent filmmaker really struggling to to make this movie that is you know it's not going to be some big hollywood blockbuster he's got he's working with uh you know some local actors trying to get this done people don't show up people Mm -hmm. give up on some projects it's taking forever to get done he's right asking you know his like dying uncle for to borrow money and but it's it's really sweet too it's really sweet Mm -hmm. how he interacts with his friend with it's kind of like sad but it's also like enduring for him and stuff like that yeah yeah it's really that's why it's so inspiring is because he's like he's struggling so much on this project that probably you know without this documentary never get seen by anyone but yeah how he how he really cares about his family and 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 his uncle who um helps you know, pay for his movie. He just, he's not really all there. He doesn't really understand it. He's, he needs a lot of explaining uh, about everything, but he's so like gracious to him for doing that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and his mom is really sweet too. His mom is like one of his only family members that is at least trying to help him. Like she's recording a scene for him. And uh, yeah, yeah. It's a really, uh, it's really like heartwarming and inspiring movie just about, yeah, just trying to create something, just being maybe a, you know a young creative or artist trying to get something done and uh yeah and then yeah you have you know uh typical family responses where uh wondering why why you're spending the time doing this why you're not just going the safe route getting a regular job and mm-hmm. and whatnot um, yeah so yeah i really loved american movie uh it's definitely going to be a regular watch for me i'm sure but nice yeah. yeah sounds like i would get a real get something out of this and get a kick yeah. out of it as well and yeah i should check it out it's it's always on some list of like i don't know some top movies list somewhere that you have to see like i, I always yeah. see it everywhere on all these lists so 
it's been a, like a while since I haven't gotten to it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, you would get a lot out of it. It's uh, if anyone's just interested in, it doesn't have to be filmmaking. You know, just uh, just doing anything sort of creative and and needing needing people to lean on uh, and stuff. It's uh, definitely right. a really great documentary. Um, you, John, of course, is a big James Bond guy. Um, <laughs> I had a random day last week where I watched um, Diamonds Are Forever, which is um, not one of the good Bonds, unfortunately. Yeah, kind of so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I'm here to talk about it. <laughs> um, yeah, this this Bond, the problem with Diamonds Are Forever is uh, mainly the fact that, yeah, there's not a lot going on. And he's uh, mainly uh, interacting with a lot of women who are bad actresses. And that's a lot of what mainly, main, mainly it, you know, there's a couple action scenes, sequences here and there. Other than that, it's a lot of like flirting with random women in games with all these women who are, like I said, bad actresses. Uh, hmm. There's even a scene where Bond uh, drowns uh, two women uh, who, of course, are trying to kill him, but. Yeah, yeah, still yeah. in the middle of in the, in the middle of this blood. movie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. In the in the middle of this movie though already I was kind of thinking I'm like this movie's already like has all this like, you know, he's having sex with like probably 3 to 4 women already and now he's like he's going to kill the two these two just drown him like has one ha- one head in each hand and he's just drowning them. <laughs> I just thought that was a little much. That's all. Yeah. That's all, you know. I'm not sure. Uh, I'm not sure if how you know, like the misogyny levels on diamonds are forever. Is uh, there's a there's a you know it, it raises a little high on top of being the fact that it is kind of just mostly a little boring. So yeah, that's really <laughs> mostly yeah. what I have to say about diamonds are forever. Yeah, this is uh, such a forgettable Bond movie. I right. I don't know if I remember hardly anything about this. Yeah, I know. I honestly, it was really hard. Just like I just watched it last week. It was very hard to remember things to bring up just now. So, yeah, I That's understand. What, the, so, like, I think it was during COVID, like the height of COVID that I started to watch through all the James Bonds uh, <laughs> yeah, chronologically. Yeah. And yeah, I, I forgot how boring a lot of them can be and how not right. good a lot of them mm-hmm. are. <laughs> uh, yeah there's it's yeah it's kind of crazy how just how big of a franchise that james bond is when i would say right. the vast majority of them uh, over 50 percent of them are duds really just yeah for sure <laughs> yeah and i was still just excited to like watch one even though yeah. like mm-hmm. i i referenced your list because i saw all right hbo max has like they they have some name for the collection but they're like the bond collection it's not even all yeah, the bonds you know yeah. it's just like some of the bonds yeah but i still right. went on i still went on there and i was like okay so i'll look at john's list for which ones i should watch and all the ones that are in like the top 10 all the like really good ones i wanted to see i were not on there they were all like uh, at the most at the best like they were the mid the mid bonds and so uh. i just i just went with this one out of you know it was like just picking out of a hat practically i didn't have much basis on it i just wanted to watch a bond pretty much yeah oh yeah i did find that i'm like oh yeah there's a lot of crappy bonds out there yeah, yeah. 
It really is. Even though you'll get like excited when it begins, you know, because it has this formulaic intro of a bond. You're like, oh man, here we go. But then as it keeps going, there's a lot where you're just like, I'm just bored. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And yeah, that's what, um, there's a lot of uh, misogyny in bond in general too. But then there are some like this one where it's just like so over the, they, they kind of make, it's like a caricature of James Bond too, where it's right. like, okay, yeah, what exactly. is James Bond? Like he, oh, he, he bangs he'll, a lot of chicks. Yeah. He, he'd meet, he'd meet, this girl would be naked in the room. And, yeah, you know, the yeah. second he gets in and he'll, she'll yeah. tease him at first, but of course they'll have sex with her. Then he'll need her for information later or something. Like yeah. That. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh yeah. It's so goofy. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. That's a, that's a, a bummer that there's not some other good ones. There are definitely uh there are definitely some like not so good ones, or at least uh, you know, people don't think are that good that I really enjoy, like mm-hmm. uh like the spy who loved me. I don't think people like hate that one or not or anything, but it's, it's a very not known like, as a classic bond by the masses yeah, necessarily. But it, it's a very like campy, goofy one, and it I don't know, it's exactly what you uh, expect when you picture like a like 60s or 70s james bond movie that like austin powers is you know doing a spoof of um yeah i mean it's the spy yeah. who loved me bond number two no that's uh so that's roger moore it's oh um, never mind never mind but they're definitely okay. i think not at, so not at all <laughs> where i was thinking <laughs> the second one was goldfinger i think um which is also you know kind of one of those stereotypical like 60s right. or 70s you know yeah spy it's hard when you watch them out of order to be like yeah i you know i'm trying to remember where they are because i was trying to remember what i had watched and what i i was trying to like i was like i'm sure i haven't seen this one i go to my letterbox i'm like oh yeah i have seen this connery one too so it's it's the names are also weird too yeah i know yeah exactly (laughs) it's hard to remember all right next thing i'll bring up is a movie called road games uh, which is also on the Criterion channel. And yeah, Road Games is a movie directed by Richard Franklin, who also did... The only other thing of note that he really did was Psycho 2, which is interesting because Road Games is a very Hitchcockian type of movie, uh, kind of cat-and-mouse thriller uh, about this um, semi-truck driver who is... He's basically on the hunt trying to find this. He, he somehow... He's just a regular guy that stumbles upon this uh you know this mysterious these mysterious killings of a serial killer along the road so he's sort of made it his goal to uh to you know figure out who the the find out the the mystery of this whole thing and, uh, and mm-hmm. who's doing it and uh yeah he picks up some hitchhikers along the way one of them is uh jamie lee curtis who she's yeah oh. <laughs> yeah this is like an australian movie but uh the- jamie lee curtis is here <laughs> Yeah, Jamie Lee Curtis and the driver himself are both American, but it's in Australia and uh, made by Australians, I'm pretty sure. But uh, yeah, anyway, this I mean, uh, this is a really great movie that I uh, that I uh, enjoyed very much. Uh, it's <laughs> it's the- <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, that's about, that's all I got to say. Uh, <laughs> but, Sound like uh, you're trying to hold back a little bit how much you liked it, maybe. <laughs> yeah. All right, I loved it. Uh, it's my favorite movie ever. Uh, but yeah, Road Games is a really great, 
really great cat and mouse thriller like i said there's so much like hitchcock in it too that you know that he's really inspired by it that's why it's so interesting that he also that the only other movie he's really done is uh psycho 2 um but uh <laughs> but yeah it and this stars uh yeah jamie lee curtis daughter right. of the star of psycho yeah it's like a one uh so yeah he's, he's a little obsessed <laughs> yeah he is that. maybe a little yeah. too obsessed yeah but yeah really really great exciting movie um it's kind of under the radar like i hadn't heard like mm. anything about this at all um but i'd seen it had some pretty good reviews and yeah it was on on criterion channel so i checked it out on a whim and uh yeah and there's a lot of there's a lot of like crazy like dream like uh psychedelic sequences uh in it too just with with this this driver he's just become like overcome with just obsession of this um of this killer and then and finding out you know who it is and and it's almost it almost look at points seems like it's him who's the the killer but you just don't know it yeah yeah so it gets very uh it's very intense and uh and and dream like at times it's yeah it's, it's really cool um, yeah, sounds good i think i might have missed the you probably said it straight up but i think i missed when you were like oh yeah i got the criterion channel again um <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah I, so i mentioned that with uh american movie because i yeah, yeah yeah i just decided i would get it for like a month just to see what was yeah. on there and of course but, there's uh, still there's still a lot that's still on hbo max too which right. is the reason why i kind of i uh stopped my criterion subscription in the first place because hbo max had so much but uh right that's a pretty yeah. big deal though for you to be back on criterion for after i don't know who knows how long you were off i mean i've, I've been yeah. off for over a year now it feels like forever yeah me too yeah and my subscription just ended because i just did it for a month but um... oh it's a, <laughs> so it was last month's subscription it was yeah. a trial of it yeah but it was a good month you know i got uh i got these yeah. two in uh, at least you I always think. feel very powerful with criteria and you're like i have access to everything <laughs> yes, to all of the film knowledge that i need <laughs> yeah the oracle film <laughs> right yeah yeah just looking at your mac or whatever yeah yeah literally just on my computer too that's yeah. i think i would be inclined to get the criterion channel more too if it were on more yeah. like platform like it's on yeah, nothing I, else that i own it's not on a it's not on a sony playstation yeah um but i believe it is on xbox and roku mm. for some reason yeah it's, but for it's some so reason random. it's just not on playstation so i've never been able to have it yeah same yeah we even we got a flex box whatever the fuck that is with uh, our xfinity internet and still uh can't can't use it on that so yeah, I'm just kind of stuck to using it on my MacBook. <laughs> yeah, and it feels weird. You're just like yeah. hooking it up to the TV and or whatever. And it's like and then the, it doesn't a... work that well either. It like no, always you don't load you don't load the movie sometimes. You have to like yeah. refresh and it's it's not it the, the website unfortunately does not run very well. Um, yeah, no, that too. Yeah, I mean I used to endorse Criterion Collection a lot more than I am now. <laughs> I still will say like that. Yeah, if you're looking for all of like old art, old stuff, art house stuff, um, foreign films, like and deep cut stuff like from the past as well, like it is the best place to be for it. 
Um, yeah. It's just, it's whether you feel like you're going to be able to spend as much time on it to make it worth it. And sometimes I just, I just, I just haven't, you know, like, uh, yeah, like one a month, not, or even one movie a month or, or even missing a month, you know, like that's not enough to warrant it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, that's what I felt towards the end before I canceled it the first time was like, felt guilty like i i had to i'm spending money on this so i just have to watch something on it right i know so um, it feels like a chore you know what i mean yeah right because it is like really just you are truly being like uh you know we've said this before like educational and doing research and like yeah really trying to broaden your mind rather than you know just like duh in front of the tv after work <laughs> yeah. which is what most people you know like it's very different from watching like basketball or the bachelor you know which is what normal people tend to tend to watch you know mm -hmm. but hey at least you had it for a month and hey. uh you're you're uh you got to see american movie yeah exactly so if you do have criterion channel yeah check out road games and american movie yeah and keep it up stick it out everyone with your criterion channel don't give up on it <laughs> as fast as we have <laughs> yeah. I, if i if i eventually you know have uh it's not uh, that's see this is just me being selfish i'm saying if i had more money i would like get it but it's not even that much money you know i'm just yeah, being like yeah. i'm just kind of being a cheap bastard you know that's just like one chipotle bowl like <laughs> for criterion you know that's not that bad it's not that bad yeah yeah that, but then at the end of the day it's like uh you know this 10 11 dollars whatever at the end of the day, uh, I just kind of want that extra Chipotle bowl every yeah, month. Yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, maybe I want that rather than feeling guilt and, and needing to, okay, fine, I'll watch this I obscure art house movie from the 1940s or whatever. <laughs> I don't understand anything I'm watching. This site makes me feel dumb. <laughs> I could have had Chipotle and got guac on the side. <laughs> <laughs> what am I doing? <laughs> waste of money this thing is taking over my life <laughs> <laughs> yeah the criterion guilt just takes over yeah consumes you yeah yeah we know we know about that been there yeah <laughs> my movie bender this is probably gonna be my this is my last one uh, my movie movie bender will be cut a little short not that i haven't been watching movies but i've been watching a lot of like uh, doing a lot of rehashes lately, a lot of rewatches, a lot of just kind of comfortable things I've seen too many times. Um, mm -hmm. Just to, you know, give myself, you know, give that to me myself. You let myself treat yourself. Be yeah. Like, be like, it's okay. Yeah. To watch movies you've seen yeah. before, you know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, you know, so I watched like the social network, which obviously I've seen a lot of times already, yeah. you know, watch that again, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, um, and again, I watched, uh, the Beatles get back. So I'm going to talk a little bit about that again today, which I think I've already talked about maybe twice <laughs> because <laughs> I've watched it two other times. I maybe have talked about it before, so I'm not gonna go into maybe everything, but like one thing I did want to bring up is, which I think we should, uh, make a plan and a goal for ourselves um this related to the show uh is we should maybe when we have um subscription when we're offering subscription content we can release an episode on just us ranking 
our Beatles albums. We just ranked oh, wow. all the Beatles albums. I'm so down for that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you know, forget Eraserhead. We could just do that. Right? <laughs> <laughs> it just becomes that. What if we just rank yeah. them all now and then we'll talk about Eraserhead? After. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do that. Yeah. And at 3 a.m. And we'll I'm like, all right. Oh, yeah, yeah. So that's uh, Abbey Road and uh, <laughs> Eraserhead. <laughs> now, <you know? laughs> but uh, yeah, doesn't that get you pumped to think about doing something like that? Oh, yeah. Of course. Yeah. I know, yeah. yeah, we could talk about Beatles stuff for like, I don't know, a 10-hour episode. Right. You we know? could talk about it probably instead of just doing all the topics we usually do on Just on about the show. anything, yeah. Yeah, yeah <laughs> but uh, so yeah, definitely was thinking that'd be a good idea because uh, I, I, I almost want to like, after I continue to listen more and more and learn more after watching the documentary again for the third time, <laughs> you know, I'm bouncing one, I'm bouncing some knowledge off of other, you know, I'm taking all my Beatles stuff in and, you know, uh, bouncing all the platforms around and, you know, learning and uh, studying my best. I want to see how I can do in ranking the album. Uh, but anyways, in the Beatles get back uh, round three, here we go. Um, I, I'd say this round was probably the most I ever just, sat and watched it because the other times i watched it uh i had just like moved out to california and i was uh i happened to be doing a lot of like getting settled things like while the documentary was playing and i would just be like all right i'm folding all my like stuff you know blah 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 <laughs> and then like i would turn i would turn and like they'd be you know like rehearsing you know like two of us for the first time and i'd just like stand over and gaze at it for like <laughs> five or ten straight minutes you know and i'm like all right back to now they're all right now they're having tea again i'm gonna go and <laughs> yeah. fold you know again. bringing the toast out yeah <laughs> yeah yeah exactly yeah because oh boy isn't those like um the plates of tea and toast oh, are so man. lovely and the yeah. pastries and stuff uh yeah i mean I want to have tea time in London one day, but man, I'll tell you. After that this. looks so good. Yeah. 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 When, um, when Kevin, the roadie, he's mm -hmm. just walking in with that tea. Yeah. That giant plate of tea. Yeah. Yeah. Peter Jackson knew what he was doing when, when they left that in. Like they, of course, right, could take right. all these like little food shots out of it, but right, uh, he kept right. it in because he knew that's what people wanted. Yeah. <laughs> right. I, I guess like the main stuff that like I, this time I basically just sat and watched the full thing and you definitely do have a lot of, it's a long thing. So you have a lot of lulls, you have a lot of slow moments and sometimes you are like, wow, I really am spending all my time, <laughs> you know, watching this thing, <laughs> yeah. you know? And, um, but nevertheless, I think I got more out of it than the others because I wasn't so distracted and I was able to really piece together fully, like, if you could say there is one like an actual like story beats that are in this documentary and kind of like kind of somewhat of an arc for like this recording process and the band as a whole and just um you know eventually you know going on the roof and deciding to finish the album after like a lot of drama in the middle of it and i think just being able to see it like Cause I think the first couple of viewings, I was kind of like, wow, I just can't believe they made such a great album, you know, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and then like, <laughs> and then like this time around, it was kind of more so like, you know, wow, I can't believe like 
you know they recorded an album and finished it one that is so good despite like all this like yeah i really felt more chaos than i had ever had ever had Mm. before i felt like i felt more of the like there not being something right in the middle of a lot of um magic happening and i think of course i think a lot of the drama with the beatles tell me if you agree or not I think it gets a little blown out of proportion. A lot of uh, a lot media ties, a lot of speculation, a lot of stuff like that. Not as to say there isn't drama at the end, but I just think that uh, maybe it's not as like there's obvious drama, but maybe it's not as intense as everyone uh, makes it out to be, and isn't as like maybe tragic, so tragic of a thing in the end. Like God, you know, like Yoko or like Paul you know, or whatever, this, George leaving this, John, whatever, you, whoever you, people blame yeah. at whatever time, they're like, they they broke up the Beatles. They yeah. broke up. They're the reason, like, why this was the last one. And when I'm kind of like, I'm kind of don't, and I'm also a late Beatlehead, you know, so I'm biased, but I'm kind of fine with this being the last one in the grand narrative of the Beatles. And I guess, you know, seeing this, seeing like the, like, I don't know, kind of a little of the roller coaster ride that is this the, the like record rehearsing recording this album was like this round was actually, you know, it was just very interesting. And I felt like I gained uh, a lot more perspective of it uh, for sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, uh, yeah, I rewatched it for the, for the third time uh, around the holidays too. It's become a, <laughs> yeah holiday watch for us but yeah no, i agree with you too i think uh that's why it was great to see and like uh specifically in the i think it's the second um part uh where they're right. kind of yeah. playing music and then reading yeah. off the headlines like george oh, harrison yeah yeah, 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 yeah. punches at paul McCartney right right, or right you know they're just like making exactly. fun of all the headlines and tabloids yeah. but yeah i also i i also think it was probably right time for them to to end and uh uh you know it's just these four guys i mean three of them you know all trying to write songs to get their songs into something there's going to be like a power struggle and yeah. uh and you know maybe it yeah. could have worked if maybe if it, they were banned nowadays they would have kind of split off to do their own solo records for a little bit then come back to do a beatles thing and then split right. off again you know like kind of like radiohead does like they'll yeah they go away for like eight yeah. years and there's not as much thing. drama about it it's kind of like more like laid back about it you know yeah yeah but i think there was just so much pressure on them and uh but you could really see that they really care about the beatles at the end of the day like they all sh- right. do show up and yeah and want to get this done yeah. but they all just like there's that weird opinions. lull in the middle where like george is not just not showing up Mm-hmm. And they're just like recording. They're just playing around yeah. and they're like sitting around talking and you're just like, oh man, like they're like, and they're like, they, and they, there's like the title cards. It's like, they will go back to George's later that day. And you're just yeah. like, oh man, they got to get George back. <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> you know, this is falling apart. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that first part ends on such like a somber note. And then, yeah, it starts with, with them just sort of talking about, you know, Paul goes and then there were two and it's, it's very, yeah, very <laughs> yeah, sad. So yeah. And the, the, yeah. There's a lot of moments where just, just him and Ringo in there, you know? Yeah. But when you look at more like the backstory too, like, uh, 
you know, like Ringo had had quit at some point during like the recording of the White Album. He wow. had quit at some point, and uh, and I think John said he was quitting. So, like, there was always like moments where people thought they would quit. So I think, at least at least towards the end of the last like two or three years, you know, and I think maybe they thought that this was just like George needed a a, a moment to like step yeah. away, but he'll be back, you know. Yeah. Um, and uh, I think in that Peter Jackson interview on also on uh, WTF with Mark Marin. I think he alluded to something about George having problems at home uh, too with his wife. Oh. Uh, so, you know, maybe that just added to his stress and uh, right. Right. Yeah. But uh, yeah, but yeah, I, I, yeah, I feel like you see a lot of moments sometimes like maybe I'm reading into this where you're there, you're recording, they're recording and, and like George just kind of looks like bored in the middle of the recording a little bit yeah. um, too. And I think it's a lot of them. Um, He's playing a lot of Paul's songs as well. Mm -hmm. Like there's this one moment towards the, in the first episode and he's like, he's like, I don't think you need another guitar on this one. I think he's talking <laughs> about like, I think he's talking about get back or I've, or I've got a feeling one of them probably get, I think it's get back. Cause there's already a lot of guitars just like bumping or maybe it's two of us. God, I'm not. Yeah, I can't remember. There's yeah. two of us because there's three acoustics and two of us and no bass. So I think that's why. So he's like George just feels like he's adding like he's like not even contributing as much mainly. Yeah. yeah. And that Paul's like not giving him enough to do in this. So there's like stuff like that. There's always a lot like it's so interesting to just look at their character dynamics, too, because I feel like. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think we've talked about this, too, just like in every sort of group or situation that you're in in life you can probably picture yourself as, as one of the Beatles. yeah you're like oh uh, man i'm the like i'm the paul of this podcast <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah you are it's always about your when, song because when paul. i talk <laughs> when i talk i've got a feeling <laughs> uh paul's got to talk about his the movies that he watched again yeah for yeah. yeah but yeah yeah george is like that typical like youngest child like kind of always being told what to do and being patronized a little bit and yeah 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 it's uh well yeah and it's it's clearly in the like hierarchy of the band he is getting the least amount of songs done but yeah. every time he's like playing a song i'm like all right this is like incredibly special so that's why everyone's yeah. like mad there's all the people who are like mad at like like paul or like others who are like not giving george the chance just because like whenever he did have songs, they were very special, but maybe you could also say, maybe that's why George's songs are so special is because you, you only got so few of them. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's not like I listen to any of John and Paul's songs that they are writing and think, God, we don't need, we didn't need this one. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like <laughs> there's no room for this. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> Why not give George a chance? I'm always like, no, this is great. This is fine. Let's keep doing, you know what, you know, like, yeah, it's not like Paul, Paul and John are doing, are doing their thing. So, um, yeah, it's like the best that... and worst thing to happen to George was that he was right. in a band with John Lennon and Paul McCartney. Yeah. yeah it's... So it's like when you have like a, tri a big, uh, triumvirate like that, someone is going to be, you know, have to get the leftovers, I guess yeah. you could say. And yeah, I don't know if you know this. Maybe I. It's this is kind of a question. Like in Abbey Road, it does seem to me like that might be the most George songs. 
that he got that there, I don't know that stat necessarily, but I listen to Abbey road mm. and like, I hear, here comes the sun. I hear like something in the way you move. Like it all, yeah. it sounds like there's, and then I think there's while my guitar gently weeps in the middle there, or is that on a different, I think while my guitar gently weeps is on the white album. Well, there, there's like another guitar, like George, like guitar, um let's see something here comes the sun and uh which one is it i think i think those might be the only two george ones on abbey road oh well never uh what about i want you i want you is that george i want you uh, i want you so bad you know i think that's john is it damn it See, that's the thing. I always mix up sometimes John yeah. and George's singing voice. I feel like, yeah, I feel like John and George are more similar than even John and Paul. Uh, yeah, that's it's a John one. Yeah, we. I guess we can, I don't, I don't know. I feel like two to three is usually what George would get on an album. That's what I'm saying. The later ones. Yeah. Let it be, he got yeah. one. There's some bonus songs, but let it be, he, he gets like one full song on and and they're not yeah, even let it let it be doesn't have great george songs at, at least i think more forgettable ones than uh like Abbey than Road his other yeah the white album yeah but yeah yeah that's definitely that's definitely good for our beatles album episode yeah you so gotta yeah. have all these uh <laughs> things in place um but i guess i don't know to going forward into wrap it up more it's just like i don't know it's still just very triumphant the the documentary ends in a very triumphant way i feel to where you know when they you know they kind of they perform on the roof and they have completed um this album uh and it's just kind of so awesome and they're recording it and then they finish you know recording it and it and it all turns out great in the midst of like you know, they kind of changed their recording location like three different times, you know, then, you know, George is leaving. They're wondering how they're going to perform it. They're wondering about like a documentary. It's all like all very up in the air, like mm-hmm. stuff in terms of like the business show showbiz business side, actually, of the album that kind of, you know, is all sort of in flux. But like, I know in the end, what's so great about this is that they do have like a ball recording this album and they make one that is like incredibly re-listenable, <laughs> especially since you've, I've seen the documentary. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. There's just mo I, and I love watching them slowly, you know, get the songs finally, you know what I mean? Before like yeah. they're, you know, the process of them just messing around to finally like performing them fully and like perfectly is like actually very fulfilling um for the nine hour for the nine hour runtime of this you know what i mean yeah and i know there's not it's obviously not all of the footage in there but just hearing like one day what a song sounds like and then right right how it gets to like two weeks later it's like wow this yeah yeah exactly changed so much Uh, like there's a moment in the beginning where um there paul's showing john i've got a feeling John's trying to sing the like he's trying to sing the higher octave part that Paul sings and he's like with well, someone who will look like you you know that that like that whole section there and John's trying to sing it and he's like I can't go that high and he's trying to do it and he's like 
He's like, no, 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 like try to sing like the way Paul's singing it. Yeah. It's actually pretty hilarious, you know, because Paul goes like so hard during that like song. Yeah, like that yeah. song just goes so hard. Yeah. <laughs> like it slaps. Yeah. yeah, it slaps really hard every time it begins. I'm like, oh, here we go. Yeah, <laughs> this, this banger is back. I'm listening to, uh, to this yeah. for the ten thousandth time now. You know. I honestly that song out of all of them is probably what I listened to most after watching the documentary. And I honestly didn't really know that song that well until Get Back. No. Yeah, it's funny how like now it's such a part of my yeah. psyche when I didn't know it. <laughs> but if yeah. I had met my like myself from two years ago, I'd be like, Bro, you haven't heard I've got a feeling. <laughs> yeah. Paul McCartney, you serious? man. <laughs> Yeah, it's just like it's just such perfection, like the progression of it and the rhythm of it, and how George goes narrow, 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 narrow. I love that shot on the roof where yeah, where George has got his big fur coat and he's just right, yeah, narrow, narrow, narrow. Yeah, 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 and 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 Paul just destroys the vocals. He's just he's just incredible. He's incredible in it. He Paul does know how to just like. Uh, I don't know with pandering to the audience, but he he knows how to make like a crowd pleaser. Yeah, and yeah. He has the, he, there's that one moment in I've got a feeling too where it's about to go back into the chorus and he just goes, <clears throat> and it's like <laughs> it's like so satisfying. <laughs> like every time I hear it, I just I do that at the same time. Just <clears throat> yeah, it's so great. Yeah, it's funny how during certain like recordings of the different tracks, you learn like the way like i don't know they just the subtleties to the way they're performing it you know and like on like say this version of don't let me down i know how john's like john how john goes like ooh she does and how he <laughs> hangs on it more and he's like yes she does <laughs> and, like, and then yeah. the first take when he forgets the lyrics too in the second verse oh yeah 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 i forget That's, which one yeah. that is man yeah, it's on, on Don't Let Me Down. I think it's take one on uh, right, right. On the new the so new, like, I got like, me, record. Is it when he's out. like, he got me coochie coo. Yeah, he's like, goo, 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 goo. And, then, <laughs> and then the next take they do it, they have Kevin, like the roadie or whatever, holding the... Oh, right, right, right. The lyrics right. up to him. Well, it's probably like freezing outside and he just has to kneel there right, and hold right, the... Right, right, yeah. <laughs> And boy, don't they have all awesome fits when they're on the rooftop. Oh, like yeah. Paul's Paul has like this sick suit with these shoes. And you know, John, of course, looks, you know, the way John would look. <laughs> and then George has got that awesome coat. It's just yeah. it's just and fantastic. Ringo's in, in like that bright red. Yeah, but like it's, like fit, it's like almost. fitting for Ringo though, I yeah. feel like. Yeah. Here, it's actually, kind of... I have a visual aid actually. Here from the yeah from the imax concert everyone got these little posters oh that's sick yeah look at those fits yeah yeah and then oh yeah john has a fur coat too that's pretty good yeah yeah oh but uh yeah good stuff yeah and i think also that like um like even though paul is like known as like he was like the driver of the group a lot of the times especially towards the end there and they're all getting frustrated with it i did notice during the recording process i'm like I'm like, okay, Paul definitely is the one, though. He's, like, coming up with the numbers, like, the quickest. You know what I mean? And maybe, you know, you could say what you want on, like, 
who's the best songwriter of the group, you know, that, um, but I felt like Paul was definitely getting like the bouncier, like bluesy ones done, like very fast, you know, and he would have them yeah. ready, you know? Yeah. He really seemed the most motivated yeah to really get something done whereas it seemed like i you know it seemed like george maybe had some but he he was not uh saving it maybe as much yeah Yeah. maybe saving it for himself yeah and then john would just sort of it it seemed like he was pretty aloof but would just come up with some (laughs) he's like yeah i just started doing this and then they you know this is uh this is don't let me down. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Maybe we should do don't let me down. <laughs> <laughs> but I think there's moments too where George um, performs things from his first solo album in the like, yeah, in the Get Back documentary, and like he's 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 singing it and stuff, and they're not like, oh yeah, let's add this, you know, they're not, they don't do that yeah. necessarily, so they save it for him, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I do feel bad for George in the moments where it's like his song and it almost seems like they don't take take it that seriously uh, or, you know, they're not as into it. Specifically, there's like a moment where George is like just trying to figure out what to say in like the next verse or something. It's a very like subtle moment and he's like, mm. uh, what do I say there? I don't know. And then and John's like, well, just keep saying things, George. Something will come to you. Like it just... It's like just like keep saying something and it, it'll happen it's like well fuck you know i'm not like john lennon or paul mccartney you could see like that insecurity in him oh, oh you know? okay yeah but it also led to that great conversation that they recorded in the cafeteria with uh between paul and john where they're specifically right. talking that's, about yeah George. and they just show like images it's all like voiceover yeah yeah that's a really good one yeah, that's a cool moment to show that how like mature they were for being like, for sure, you know, late twenties and and really yeah. figuring this out and yeah, I mean they were all pretty aware of everything that was going on, you know what I mean? And yeah. they actually they like they have like a lot of humility to them for the being those guys, you know what yeah. I mean? Which is not the a thing in music as much today, like <laughs> humility and like I find that insanely like interesting and refreshing, um, yeah. Because to me, they're like the greatest. So I'm just like, the fact that yeah. they act so like, like we try to talk like we're normal people, but we're not normal. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like... <laughs> yeah, that's that. Yeah, that's a whole part of watching this I, too. Is like, I eat breakfast like you do. <laughs> yeah. I have my tea and toast the same way as you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, sure you do, man. Sure. Yeah. Nobody brings it into me, though. You know, I have to get it myself. <laughs> right, right. Exactly. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, but yeah, this makes me also want to like rewatch that uh, um, the Harrison documentary because, like, you all, you, you, I, you know, there's always that uh, the end of watching Get Back. You always have a little guilt and sympathy for George, so you want to like yeah. tribute to him by watching, uh, uh, you know, living in a material world. I know we could uh, we could go on even longer on, on <laughs> Beatles talk, but also just, just on Get Back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, that's uh, my thing, my nice. little thing on the Beatles <laughs> Get Back. Yeah. Well, yeah. Before I guess before our next break, when we talk about uh, Eraserhead, I'll just throw throw these two out there quick. Um, that one of my goals in 2023 is to watch more of these 
these like movies you have to see that I've been putting uh, off because of okay. too long or maybe too 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 much of a bummer. Yeah, you know, too. They, that's what they seem like. But I, I'm making it a point that no matter how long they are, I'm gonna try and get to them this year. Uh, and two of those that I watched are uh, a woman under the influence and mm. Ikiru. Um, yeah, both uh, ones. The animated film Ikiru. No, the uh, the uh, Kurosawa. Oh. Kurosawa one about the guy who has stomach cancer and yes 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 yeah. I, I mix those up a lot yeah I've seen uh yeah, I've seen both films yeah these are two that I've slept on just because the runtime and they're also really uh serious <laughs> subject matters yeah <laughs> uh like you know a woman under the influence about like yeah yeah a depressed mother for three hours and it's like oh do I want to spend three hours uh, reliving my childhood with this depressed mother <laughs> with <Yeah>. my child. <laughs> yeah so i uh so it took me a while to get to that but um but of course i understand now how it why it's so highly regarded and uh the mm-hmm. acting performances are just amazing in it but um yeah it really opened up my uh world when i first saw a woman un- under the influence i've i had uh yeah. never seen uh anything like it at the time and i was it was crazy yeah yeah and and likewise with uh ikiru i thought it's a really beautiful movie this is my first like non-samurai kurosawa right. movie i think yep. yeah yeah um, yeah there's only a few of them i think yeah yeah and it, and it was really good and it's uh it reminded me of uh of joe versus the volcano a little bit too oh a little bit yeah <laughs> you know I guess this so. this guy yeah. dying and, and choosing to live out his life and then uh and yeah 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 a really really beautiful uplifting movie uh in the end even though it's about a sad subject but yeah yeah both both classics that you got to see so i'm glad i got to them and uh yeah there'll definitely be more of those throughout the year that i'll get to so yeah i'm starting off <laughs> nice. strong all right and and one more thing about the beatles <laughs> <laughs> I love this so much. I love this part. Paul's like, a feeling I can't hide no more. And or oh yeah. And then Paul, Paul and then John goes like, oh yeah. <laughs> just, <laughs> just that like, oh yeah. Like get it gets me every time. I like I just get such a kick out of him just going, oh yeah. Like it's like <laughs> as if like he's not. It's not really like he only has that part at the end, right? That's mainly like. He mainly like yeah. just does backup vocals, but just like where he just comes in and does the oh yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and then Paul's like oh yeah, like he's screaming, yeah, yeah, going he's crazy, like, yeah. <laughs> right, right. Especially since it is so much more, it's so much more toned down than what he's yeah, doing yeah. over there too. <laughs> yeah, that's that John part of the song is, is so uh, like yeah. laid back compared to right, it right. Yeah. It's a good out, but it's a good outro. I love, I love it. It's yeah. you know it's everybody perf- had a wet perfect- dream yeah yeah <laughs> ever that's a that's a it's perfection as well um yeah but yeah john i think one eventually we'll need to we should probably just like rehearse for maybe like 10 years or something like that and then one day we'll go on the roof there we go we'll yeah do, we'll exactly do that yeah. <laughs> and it'll be just an exact replica of it it'll be just as good i'll get my fur coat 
and it'll yeah, be cool. yeah we'll dress exactly <laughs> like it'll be the best we got you know and we'll do it in la or denver or something like that and it'll become a whole a whole news story you know yeah get the cops to come up there all right but uh anyways today's film of the day is a racer head uh uh, we've been mainly we've been meaning to get into David Lynch. Um, now that we haven't gotten to David Lynch, but I guess go through each film individually. Uh, so I thought, why not start at the beginning? Also, it just felt like this one was in need of a revisit, maybe more than his others, maybe for or just a rewatch for me personally. Um, I've only seen the film once. Uh, I, I don't know about you. Uh, was this your second watch or yeah yeah this was just yeah. my second watch and honestly if we didn't out of all of his his films this is probably the one that i would go back to rewatch the least uh meaning yeah. just meaning that it's uh i don't know it, yeah it's like it's a short uh early lynch movie that's yeah uh, it's a film it's a film student movie also uh mm. yeah he made this he's known to have made this when he was at afi um yeah and uh i think it's this is also like this movie is like very much revered by some and then but also not not as ever like it's not as unanimous um say as other lynch movies like maholland drive which is or blue velvet which i think are both unanimous like everyone if they are not only became popular but everyone just loves them and yeah could watch them any day and think they're masterpieces and stuff like that yeah yeah right it kind of gets pushed to the wayside a little bit um because it's like i don't know when you watch a razorhead like it's clearly uh you can see his other movies and and work down the line in a racerhead you know there's a lot that reminds me of twin peaks or uh or blue yeah, velvet right too right. um but yeah, yeah, it, because it's it seems like a more like uh, condensed version of Lynch. It's it's not one that I would right. necessarily go back to uh, before any of the the other ones we just talked about. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah, and it, and it's it's definitely like you know him. You know, he like he he's he hasn't evolved yet into like say uh, like '90s Lynch or something, anything like that, and he's. But he's definitely doing. Uh, he's very much doing him <laughs> yeah. in a racer head. This is definitely very Lynch, even though it's not like quite the Lynch yet that he like he hasn't fully formed, if you if you can call it that. Like Lynchin hasn't maybe fully formed yet, but this is him definitely doing what he wants to do exactly, um, specifically with like just the weird vibes, the tone the play on set design the music that like the kind of like i guess the like score that is maybe a prelude to what angelo battlemente would eventually do i hope i said his name right um to all lynch (laughs) fans out there um i don't think this is like necessarily perfect for me but i definitely uh like i definitely like eraserhead a lot um and i i think that there is stuff to talk about um, but I also think some of the beauty of Lynch too is also not trying to figure out maybe what everything yeah. means necessarily as well. Um, yeah, yeah. And I and in a weird way, I think this is one of his more straightforward 
mm-hmm. uh, movies too. Right, is, right. It is. It's funny to think, but uh, at the end yeah. of the day, it is, uh, you know, it's it's a lot like uh, just a story about a new parent and right. struggling to cope with uh, the life changes yeah. that they have yeah, to yeah, exactly. deal with yeah, now. It's, it's like um, Ron Howard's Parenthood, but David Lynch. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So it's a really, I, I feel like, a relatable story if you kind of see it for what it is at its core. Right, right. Uh, yeah. I think there's like a lot of the surreal, a lot of the unexplained, the elements that you're like about the mood and the vibe and like some of the unexplainable things that are, that Lynch does um, that he, like, you know, you'll see him in interviews a lot. He'll someone will ask him to explain this movie or whatever and he'll just say no and i think there's (laughs) something to that where it's like like left where a lot of things are left you know what i mean where um you're not always trying to figure it out um too much and it's more about the feeling that um yeah these images going along with a lot of these weird noises uh give you and uh yeah i mean Unlike say something like my favorite movie of 2022, Top Gun Maverick, uh, <laughs> this movie is very much an art movie. It's very, it's it, this is an artist at work, and you can tell from frame one uh, that it is. And uh, yeah, I mean, it was a good, it's a good uh, change of pace. Um, I love all the industrial setting um, in this in Eraserhead always. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think it goes very well with the black and white. Um, and I, I, I've watched some like videos with uh, like some Lynch videos when I was going down my like Lynch rabbit hole back in the day. And there's a lot of like videos with like Lynch and his like his like writing partner, and he's like young. He's really young, uh, and he's in L.A. and he's you know, going to AFI or whatever. And he's like driving around these weird industrial areas. Cause there's a lot of that shit around here. Mm-hmm. And he's just like, look at this. This is beautiful. Oh <laughs> man. And he's like, he's like, you and I could just, he's like talking to his writing partners. Like you and I could just get a couple of, to get some donuts and just hang out here oh all my day. God. And it's just such a lynch. It's such a lynch like moment. You know what I mean? But it's also yeah. like, you got to love it too. At the same time, you're just like, um, yeah. Like, and a lot of his early photography along with Eraserhead was always like, I think very like industrial and like about like, decay and almost like trying to create this vibe of like post-apocalypse and shit like that and so that's just always what i connect with when i think of Eraserhead is just how lynch was was definitely especially in his early days very interested in that type of stuff yeah yeah i think it's uh clear in this that like all the production design and the sets everything is so like detailed and specific right like Mm -hmm. everything is intentional in a way right yeah Uh, every little detail and uh, yeah it just he pays attention to those to those things like like that uh, like even like at the end when he's operating on his alien you know his like lizard child like used the way like the blood is like moving around and all the intestines are like there's like 
and like there's just that is such a calculated like um i don't know, like the you know the special effects like are very calculated in that yeah. moment and whoever designed all that i guess eraser head starts out very obscure at first you don't really understand what right this guy is doing walking yeah he's kind of wandering like, around this yeah yeah alone. it does yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah it, it reminds me of a student film and the way it opens especially like after there is like a, a an opening image i think where it's like his head um and then it's just oh yeah yeah it's right. like a racer head but which is and it's kind of starts off very sci-fi like yeah. and trippy um in that way and then it slowly goes down and it's almost like out of like an alien by Ridley Scott, like the way it's like going through this planet or stuff like that. And then, yeah, then it just, you're expecting like almost like this weird sci-fi movie to begin, but then it's just this dude roaming around these <laughs> industrial areas, like yeah. looking really sad and stuff. Um, gotta love the uh, look of this guy too. It's almost like he was like, um designed to look like lynch in film school or something like that too there are a lot of moments where i thought to myself that he looks a lot like, like david, david lynch, lynch. Yeah. yeah yeah but i yeah. almost had to second guess myself that it it's not actually him right um yeah. and, and especially like you know the title image where you know he gets surprised later when shit starts to go down that is such a great image um especially because of the not only because of the lighting but because of the way his hair just fills up the top of the frame and he's just has that face and it's just like it's just perfect for the cover of the movie and just yeah and i honestly had no idea what to the first time seeing this i remember yeah. not oh, expecting so any so this, weirded you know? out by the whole thing i think yeah way more than this time round uh yeah for sure and i really i genuinely didn't know anything about the story or right or any so i i thought it was some crazy creepy horror movie and uh i don't yeah i i know on like i think i saw on like letterbox that they have it listed as like horror or like fantasy horror or something like that which right. seems goofy like it, it makes some sense but it's also um it's just kind of like an absurd drama and, and comedy kind of there there are funny moments too yeah oh absolutely uh but yeah yeah this this guy finds out that his he accidentally uh knocked up his girlfriend and then has to yeah. get married and settle down and take yeah. care of this yeah. mutant yeah. alien baby right that, uh and there's constantly this noise going on that's just so grating and annoying right yeah they're clearly living around all these like factories um mm -hmm. too and it's the interactions with the the like the in-laws if you, if you want to yeah. call them in particular are like so strange um, and awkward <laughs> uh at the beginning and it's so weird the way their apartment is and the way their like kitchen is set up and how he's just taking the like they have so little space and he's just taking this um like chicken or whatever out of this like mm -hmm. tiny miniature oven and bringing it around and the way the dad just kind of like smiles at him and stares at him uh i don't know kind of reminds me of the vibe of some of the like weirdness that of the weirdness in like interaction that he likes to play around with especially in like the twin peaks uh genre uh 
a lot. Um, especially from the original show in the nineties, that is shows just filled with like strange, awkward, weird interactions. Um, a lot of the times. Yeah. Yeah. That's all what the, the interactions with the in-laws are. And maybe that's him showing how unusual he feels when he's with his in-laws, you know, that's, that's <laughs> kind of what I was thinking, like just having in-laws myself as being like a new person in an already established is how, family. Is that how it, is that how it usually goes, John? Here. Yeah, that's how it goes. Were We're cooking like these weird chicken on. things. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. People are making weird noises at the dinner Did table. Did you and your <laughs> wife have sexual intercourse? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's yeah, that's why we had to get married because we had this like mutant baby. Yeah, it's so relatable. Uh, yeah, living <laughs> in the factories. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I and I I saw so, like definitely going forward, especially from this, I was kind of getting a little worried. I was ta- I was telling you before when we were not on the air, I was like. When there are moments during when I was watching this movie, I was like, oh, man, I picked this movie to talk about on the podcast (laughs) (laughs) because I don't know. A lot of Eraserhead is just weird and is unexplainable. I don't think it's meant to be explained fully in depth. And I don't know. I I almost think it's uh, I, I think while there is a lot of opinions you could have on what a lot of this might mean, I think it's almost tiresome to try, I, I guess. Yeah, and it would be, even though there's, you know, things I can we can talk about um, later as we move through the plot. But, um, yeah, I mean, essentially, they have this child and it's a uh, it's a uh, a mutant. Um, it's very kind of alien lizard like um very strange and uh well his girlfriend kind of just like goes insane uh ditches out on it very quickly mm-hmm. and <laughs> leaves him leaves him with uh, the baby and he discovers it to be um sick and i guess you could say there's a psychological and surreal element to where this illness is affecting our um our protagonist henry spencer (laughs) (laughs) which is his name (laughs) henry spencer um yeah it starts to affect him and he's having these visions about this girl with like very weird cheeks yeah Um, radiator girl yeah radiator girl um and she's singing this creepy song that is definitely like twin peaks-esque you know like something you know that kyle mclaughlin would just appear in like in front of this show after falling into (laughs) something you know what i mean like but yeah so the movie i don't a lot of the last i'd say hour 45 minutes to an hour are very just surreal a lot of it and a lot of him doing what he does which is scare you in ways that are more of an out-of-body experience and um a lot more about atmosphere and stuff like that. And uh, yeah, kind of all around just this guy having this uh, very strange baby. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, once we get past like the family stuff, there's not a whole lot of dialogue uh, happening. Yeah. And... Arguably the most amount of dialogue in the movie. Um, yeah. 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 And it, it is a lot of, I, 
you know, I feel like there's, like we said, there's some things that are just like inexplicable and it's not even worth your time. Like, why does the girl in the radiator look like that? Like, why are her cheeks right, like that? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah why yeah. are these certain things certain way? I don't know. Yeah. I I feel like the like main thing is there's a lot of different, uh, I don't know, these like industrial things mimicking regular human life in a way. Like, right. uh, like the man in the, the man in the planet. Is that what he is the guy he's he's pulling all these levers and it's like making things happen it's like uh i don't know and maybe that is to to dissect that it's like uh how harry or harry is that his name henry I henry <laughs> he's just like so he's just like living passively not really right uh, right yeah he's not really in control of his life at all so it's almost like these these gears are just like shifting just like making him do do these things going through life Mm -hmm. yeah but it's but besides that it's like i think that's like the border like the baseline i don't know metaphors or whatever that you can take from it but then yeah it's it's really absurd and surreal and yeah and inexplicable and you just kind of take in what you're seeing and you can take it in how you want to and and you know try and translate it however you want to based on how it makes you feel and uh, how you interpret it. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. I think it also ends in a very sudden kind of Lynch way where the girl with the cheeks kind of just comes up and like grabs him almost out of nowhere. Like almost like she's, you know, grabbing him out of his like um, bad dream or whatever. He's just stumbled into, you know, whatever like stream of consciousness he's in. I don't, I don't know, but that's the, now I'm trying to explain what I don't under. You know, I don't understand, but um, yeah, I Lynch has moments of just ending. He does end movies like this in this quick, but also very, um, it's very you know final and it's very um, it really ties it up nicely. But it also you don't totally get it always. You're it makes you think. So you are definitely, I will say, you are very much in for that. Um, on the return, on the way that ends, because man, is that one a do- is it, boy is it a doozy the way the <laughs> return excited. ends? Yeah, it's pretty pretty crazy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just a lot of uh, just David Lynch in general. It, uh, I don't know, just as we've been talking, it reminded me of uh, last year I was in DC for a wedding and uh, we had some free time uh, on one of the days and we went to the Hirshhorn Museum, which is like a modern art museum. And there's just so much random shit that doesn't make any sense in there. Right, right. And it's, and it's like so bizarre. And I could just picture, I don't know, being in there with, uh, like a, like a friend or I mean I was there with my family and and uh, I think they were like open to it and everything but mm-hmm. just being there with someone who just doesn't want to who who really wants to understand everything and just doesn't want to experience it they want to know what everything means mm-hmm. uh, and that's just uh, how I felt there is how I feel about Dave Lynch too is like you kind of just got to take it in and not try to right to figure everything out that figure out whatever the deeper meaning is behind anything and just sort of experience it. And yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, there's, there's like the moment where Henry's head pops off and uh, yeah. Right. And, and then, then it's, the baby it's, pops, it's his baby's yep. collar. Yeah. Yep. Steve can't, couldn't tell you what that is. <laughs> yeah. Don't know what he's going for there, but it, it, uh, it makes me like, uh, I don't know. It, it still like gets a hold of me and, and, and makes me, 
just interested in, in what's going on because it's something yeah interesting. i mean i think it really is just what's wrong like the baby and him are connected in this strange mm-hmm. way you know and like and that's as far as i'll go with that <laughs> opinion <laughs> yeah and as he's fixing operate on the baby towards the end he's essentially fixing his own brain i guess you could say Mm, okay yeah okay yeah that's kind of i i just saw once i just saw them all as connected and i started to see a pattern in the film with that Uh, Uh and then i feel like there is some like for instance uh on letterbox it says in heaven in heaven everything is fine that's the first line under eraser head so oh yeah that's the song i wonder if she's singing yeah yeah and and it's almost like she's grabbing him down like at the end to pick him up and take him away from all this and like as he's trying to fix this mutant baby he's trying to reach her you know you know like it's yeah see it's very it's all very interesting folks (laughs) yeah (laughs) it's it's an interesting film for sure uh like yeah i i it's not it's i like a lot of lynches more than this one but i still like this one's his first one of his first and it's very very fascinating um yeah 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 like i said it, it really having you know seen all you know a lot of his uh newer stuff uh everything after this you can really just see what led him to make the other things that he made and and, and uh yeah just his his style and his unique way of uh storytelling and the yeah it, it it just reminded me so much of everything else that he's done and i think this is like a great starter for him to sort of explore that and uh yeah and super cool that you're watching the return right now as well uh, yeah while we're yeah. T- while we're covering eraser head yeah so i just gotten so uh i just gotten really into the into the david lynch mood lately and i feel like he's one of those where you you kind of have to be in that mood for or if you don't you'll get into it when you start watching something but uh yeah yeah for sure yeah no i miss i miss i miss the lynch uh the lynch vibe well this is an interesting one because it is pretty short and uh i think it takes its time to it does it's like it's not trying to cram in a bunch of story no no because it's about like mood the mood and the yeah you know yeah holding on the shots all that whatnot Um, yeah where there's a lot of movies where i like check the time it's like oh my god there's like an hour and a half left of this uh and this it was like oh my god there's only 20 minutes left and i feel like it was just getting started with the the story yeah you ever watch that documentary like david lynch the art life yeah i did Yeah. yeah yeah i think there's a section where he talks about like you know how being at afi and like for him he was like having the opportunity to like he's like having the opportunity to just work on this set and work on this film you know and like i was given the money like i raised the money from school to make this film what a gift it was you know (laughs) like it it was just kind of cool it was kind of cool you know like you know you could tell that like the you know being in film school and being like making this film in particular which is what came out of film school is like was a very formative time for him and 
where he grew a lot, you know, and yeah, into being one of the most respected like artists like that there has been like, um, you know, the past in recent years. Um, yeah. Yeah. For how just weird and abstract the guy is, he, he's a really likable person and, uh, he seems yeah. like a really positive guy too. Um, right. Like I, you I were saying with what's with his him. name, uh, you were saying with, uh, not David O. Russell, the guy who made the whale. Who's that again? Oh, Darren Aronofsky. Yeah, yeah, yeah you were saying with him yeah. Yeah, in interviews. Yeah, he, yeah, he's actually a really like really friendly, chill guy. Uh, yeah, and that's kind of how David Lynch is like in his interviews. He's he seems right. very optimistic, and uh, there's a lot of YouTube clips of him just talking about life and yeah uh and motivation yeah, and I, and... I also think there's a part in the documentary where he's just sitting there and he's like talking about a racer head and he's like working on all those sets for it it was so beautiful and then it like <laughs> whole it kind of like whole it holds on him and he's just kind of sitting there like this like smoking a cigarette you know like in his like carpentry shop or whatever and he's like yeah it was so beautiful and then just like holds on him and then like one of his songs that like features like these cool twin peaks sounding guitar riffs that are in like a lot of twin peaks like just plays over it and that's like kind of how the documentary ends it's it's really cool so yeah if anyone's interested in david lynch the art life it's not the most engaging documentary uh certainly not like the beatles get back on that level but it's definitely like one that will get you in a very peaceful creative mood i would say yeah yeah he's just a very interesting person to listen to uh and uh yeah i'd also say i don't know if you ever watched these but i also enjoy his weather reports and yeah i, I was watching those uh, during quarantine they were very yeah. um very nice especially when you were in all the time you know because he had yeah. this like positive mentality on like we're all stuck here, so might as well get some work done, you know. Yeah. Everyone have a great day. He's like, and if you can believe it, it's Friday. Like, <laughs> here yeah. in LA, we have sunny just blue looks skies the for days. Yeah. <laughs> he's like living like up in like probably the Hollywood Hills or some shit. And he's just like it's beautiful blue <laughs> blue skies for days have, have a, great a great day, day. <laughs> and then he just picks his little number out of the the fishbowl 17 right. yeah it's uh <laughs> yeah. what a guy I'm sure we talked about him his performance in the fablemans and he's like yeah if the horizon is, is in the front <laughs> it's more interesting where is the horizon on the bottom yes if the horizon's at the top or the bottom it's interesting if it's in the middle it's boring as shit <laughs> oh that's exactly what it was yeah yeah, yeah. which yeah, uh, that made me very uh, self-conscious about uh anytime i have a camera now and if the horizon is in the in the middle i'm gonna be thinking about that oh well let us know john if it works <laughs> with your with your landscape yeah. photography yeah right yeah my horizons are all off in now every I gotta, frame. they all gotta be bottoms or tops <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> but hey, maybe that was maybe that was John Ford. Maybe uh, David Lynch doesn't. Uh, David Lynch doesn't, doesn't care agree, about that. Matthew. Yeah, well, well, that's a, that's a razor head. I don't I don't know if I have anything more to say about that. No, I don't, and uh, I think that's a uh, plenty. You know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, definitely uh, something I watched like three years ago and was like way more probably like four or five years ago actually jesus christ but um definitely something i was way more confused um on before uh, yeah for sure and i feel like uh definitely this time like all those things you know all that awesome smart stuff i said at the end about the movie you know like see i got that you know now this so. time yeah <laughs> yeah exactly so that's why we that is why we revisit movies folks yeah. uh it's not always so we can talk about movies we've seen too many times, such as like Grown Ups, where we can <laughs> overdo it and dissect it. Sometimes it's nice to gain new perspective, you know. Yeah. We like to we like to learn on on here as well. Yeah, the learning podcast. That's what we are. <laughs> That's our new tagline. <laughs> the learning podcast. Um, yeah, I'm just gonna like talk about the uh, future. The next episode. The future. Yeah. <laughs> future. <laughs> Um, so, yeah, exactly. So, in terms of what we plan on doing next, uh, we were um, talking about the bummies uh, being ha- happening around uh, the Oscars. But in terms of what we're going to do before that, in between, we have an episode at, uh, plan that's been in the works for a while. Um, that it will be titled uh, Steve Jobs, of course, written by Aaron Sorkin, starring Michael Fassbender, Fassbender versus the TV movie jobs which stars uh ashton uh kutcher and is um i think the most interesting thing about this is uh the vast incredibly vast difference of the quality of both of these movies that are both trying to tell the exact same story um and have like they both have scenes where steve jobs is like being a real dick to some programmer but they are being done in such different ways because one is like written by Aaron Sorkin and the other is you know the other is definitely definitely not so um, we've been trying to uh, just compare those movies for a while and uh, talk about them so yeah be on the lookout for that um, my friend Felix Christensen will be our guest and he is uh, from the Bay Area so he's got that connection to these, uh, nice. you know, the, these jobs movies, essentially. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Look out for that coming up.